know, you, there's so, been so many cool experiences. And the most coolest experience I think I, I've ever um, had during a 3,100 mile race is the feeling of running forever, which means you're not in any pain, you're not in any discomfort, you're very, very fit, and you feel you could run forever. Like you could go day and night, not sleep. And um, a lot of times in these races, I would find, how do I get through all this um, tiredness that I felt? And I would get through it by um, just going within myself. And she said, there's energy on the other side of the, the worst fatigue. And there is, I always seem to find it. So as tired as any ultra runner is, and when you're sleep deprived, you can find the energy. You really can't because it's there. And it's in the cosmos. You know, so if you know, if you feel wiped out, there's always a way to, um, you know, perk yourself up. And my, you're listening to the Sasquatch Trail Runners podcast, where every run is a trail party. I'm your host, Kim Levinsky, and today's episode is the recording from our Facebook Live interview series on Wednesday, March 31st, 2021. We sat down with the legendary Treshel Churns to hear all about his trail and ultra running experiences of becoming one of the most accomplished runners in the last 40 years. So sit back and relax or grab some sweet potatoes and hit the trails and enjoy the show. Today's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Instant Instant Potatoes. If you're about to bonk and need an instant delivery of potatoes, just use the Instant Instant Potatoes app. And a potato specialist will use your GPS coordinates to deliver potatoes within 10 minutes. Be sure to use the code SASQUAD for one free order of salted potatoes. Okay, I believe that we are live. Let me just double check. Yes. Okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our RunVenture Facebook Live series for the sixth episode of 2021. My name is Kim Levinsky. I am the owner and race director for Sasquatch Trail Runners in New Jersey. And tonight we are joined by ultra running legend, Trishal Shearns. So before we give Trishal his squatchy introduction, I'm going to take a few minutes to share some updates with you on what is going on in the wonderful world of Sasquatch Trail Running. So first up, our next trail race is at the South Mountain Reservation in West Orange, New Jersey. It's a brand new race in our series. It is called the Squatch Apple Trail Race. So there's the May Apple that's typically in May. This year it's postponed. There's the Feb Apple, which is in February. And now we've got the Squatch Apple stepping in. So this race is on Saturday, April 10th. We have an 11 miler, a 20 miler, 33 miler and a 50 miler. So the way this race is set up, there's three different loops. They range from four miles is the first loop, five and a half miles is the second loop, and the third loop is seven miles. So there's over 16 miles of unique trails that you're going to be using for this event. Uh, registration is filling up quickly. We've already had a couple of the slots that have sold out, but we have some spots left on ultrasignup.com. The name of that race is the Squatch Apple. So unfortunately, we had to cancel our annual beach race called the Sand Squatch. That's every year, the first weekend of May down at Island Beach State Park. But we are replacing it this year with the Thunder Chicken Squatch at Stoke State Forest in Branchville, New Jersey. I can't say that name without laughing. There's a really fun backstory to it. I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version. If you did not know, the month of May is National Military Appreciation Month. 
So we're celebrating that at our event, the Thunder Chicken Squatch, by offering 50% off to all military and veterans. So the name Thunder Chicken comes from our most recent interview that we had uh, two weeks ago with active duty Army soldier Samantha DeRozier. She is one of our runners. She has since moved um, out of the state because of her job with the Army. But during the interview, she shared a hilarious story about how she got her Army call sign, which is Thunder Chicken. So call sign is the name that uh, soldiers will use when they're on the radio and Sam's is Thunder Chicken. So we thought it was only fitting to name our May race after her call sign because it's Military Appreciation Month. We're offering that discount to our military and veterans. So I encourage you to catch the replay of that interview. You can watch the video. It's on our Facebook page or you can catch the replay on our podcast, Sasquatch Trail Runners Podcast. And the story is around the 50 minute mark. So if you queue up to the 50 minutes, you'll hear the story of Thunder Chicken. Uh, later in June, on the last Sunday of the month, we are hosting the Midnight Squatchapalooza at the Burlington County Fairgrounds in Columbus, New Jersey. We had to cancel this last year because of COVID restrictions with the permit, but we are looking good for this year. I just spoke and had a very great conversation with the Fairgrounds director who said that the, the event is likely going to be approved in the next week or two. New Jersey just increased outdoor gathering limits, so I expect that we will be good to go for that race. We still have it set up on Ultra Sign Up with a delayed charge to your credit card, and I'm not going to change that until I have the permit in my hand, and then we'll send out an email blast to everyone who's pre-registered, and you'll have the option to accept your spot or deny it. When you accept it, that's when your credit card is going to be charged. You can learn more about the rest of our events for 2021 by our, going to our website, which is sasquadtrailrunning.com. Okay, so that about wraps it up for the Sasquad updates. So now the reason you are all here, Trishal, I met him two summers ago when I volunteered at his race, the Great New York 100, which if you have not heard about that race, you need to get on line right now social media you can find the website just search for great new york 100 um, i'm a big fan of the race even though i don't like road running i think it's a fantastic event um Trishel is the co-race director with phil mccarthy who is also an ultra running legend um, so i got to meet Trishel and his wife karen at times square around three or four in the morning, I think it was, uh, I was helping out with check-in. So along with a few other volunteers, we helped move half of the drop bags up to a hotel room that was a few blocks away. And then the rest got crammed into a car that Trishal and his wife were driving. Uh, I wish I could have dug out the picture. I couldn't find it, but it was quite a sight to see with just I mean, floor to ceiling of drop bags. And then the two of them were crammed in the car, driving it to different rate, uh, aid stations along the course. Um, so I reconnected with Trisha a few weeks ago when our mutual friend and my fellow race director, Vanessa Klein, suggested that we interview him on our interview series. So shout out to Vanessa for reconnecting us. I mean this from the bottom of my heart. It is truly an honor to have him on our interview series and podcast. So I'm going to read a short bio for him to help paint the picture of who he is as an ultra runner. And I will tell you right now that we would be here all night if I read all of his accomplishments. So 
just know that this is a very abbreviated bio, and these are just a few of the highlights um, of his career. So here we go. Trishul is one of Canada's most accomplished ultramarathoners. In 1985, he held every Canadian record from 300K to 1,000 miles and still holds many of those records today. He has completed the self-transcendence race, which is a 3,100 mile race, three times with a personal best of 50 days and three hours in 1999. As of February, 2021, Trishal has completed 280 ultra marathons, totaling 44,338 ultra marathon racing miles. His first ultra was a hilly 47 mile road race on August 27th, 1978, where he placed third out of 58 starters in six hours and 30 minutes. A former monk and current masseuse, Trishal lives in Queens, New York with his wife, Karin. Trishal is the co-race director of the Great New York 100, which I mentioned just before. So Trishal, thank you so much for joining us tonight. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you for the introduction. That's very kind. It was, and I've shared with you, I had so much fun reading all the articles about you. Um, it's, a, it's a long list of publications that are out there that have highlighted who you are and, and your career. Yeah, it's a, I'm, I'm always honored and I feel privileged when each person can recognize a little of what I've done. You know, I just, I'm very proud of what I've done and look forward to the future for more uh, great accomplishments. Fantastic. So I know the bio that I just gave is now a little bit outdated because it had your numbers as of February. And I know you just ran at the New Jersey Ultra Fest. So do you know what your totals are now um, current as of today? 282 um, in route to 500 plus. I like to do in my running career, um, 500 ultra marathon completions. And uh, for those that don't know what a, an ultra marathon is, it's uh, 30 miles plus, according to Andy Milroy from the uh, IAU. And um, I would like to run over 100,000 ultra marathon racing kilometers, which is about 62,000. I'm at 44 right now. And I would like to do it for over 60 years. And if I can do it over 70 years, I will. The record for uh, the longevity record, which is one I really would like to get is uh, uh, 59 years. So to do over 70, someone's got to live that long <laughs> to do it. <laughs> so I, I started when I was 21 years old, uh, my first ultra marathon. My first marathon was uh, in uh, 1977 where I ran three hours and eight minutes at the New York City Marathon. So um, um, I'm, I'm happy to keep going. You know, I'm just used to run to compete and I run to complete. That's awesome. And I, I'm gonna preface this whole interview by telling you guys who are listening that I know already we're gonna run out of time because there's so many things that we can cover tonight, mm -hmm. but we are gonna focus primarily on your multi-day um, accomplishments because you've told me that's the highlight of your career. Um, but before we get there, I have a question that I've prepared that I'm excited to hear. Okay, so you are writing your autobiography. What is chapter one of your autobiography? How are you setting, setting the stage of your life story? Well, it's all about my spirituality. Um, meditation was uh, what I was originally seeking because I was interested in um, my inner life, you know, since I was a you know, young, young boy. And so I 
got interested in Eastern philosophy and um, went to a meditation center, the Sri Chimoy Center, which was one of the best things that happened to me at that time. And, um, I, you know, I, I was intrigued on um, all, all about spirituality. So I studied a lot of different religions and so forth. And so, but I, I, I'm a very dynamic type of person and I can't sit still. I can only be so long, so I had to do. And so running was a great extension of my spiritual life. You know, it just felt like a great uh, release from just sitting there. I had to do moving. So it became like a moving meditation. And when I really can zone in, I really can focus in on my whole inner, you know, my whole inner chapter. So it starts off definitely with my spiritual uh, pursuits. And when I run an ultra marathon, the longer it is, the more I can get into a nice spiritual consciousness with it. And if I listen to some nice music, I really can um, tune up my mind and uh, tune into my spiritual heart which, and my running heart, you know? So it's kind of, uh, I can, I love going long, always have. To me, it was not about um, so much how fast you can go. My, my times are okay, you know, but it's how far I could go. You know, my, I think my best uh, 5K was 17 and my best 10K was 35, 50. And uh, back then I remember running 60 flat for 10 miles. And then I said, gosh, I wish this was a marathon at that time. So now, you know, but I've always been intrigued how far I could go, you know, how many miles I can put in a week comfortably or, or, or um, so as uh, when I heard there was a 47 mile race, um, I said, oh, wow, I was the second to sign up you know, and, um, and I did well in it. And I beat a lot of guys that were a lot faster marathoners because it was a hilly course, but I felt like I kept going. And when I finished, I wasn't wiped out. I said, okay, that's cool. Now what? And so um, um, uh, two weeks later, I, I started doing a, uh, I said, I'm gonna see how far I can go. So I think I did on a track, someone counted me. This is an official race, but I did 90 straight miles. I said, okay, I had enough for today. And it took me about 20 hours. I was just sleepy. I said, okay, time to go to bed. And uh, then uh, um, I heard about the, I spoke to a guy called Nick Marshall and I asked him, you know, is there any official, real official long races? He said, well, there's these things now, 24 hour runs. And I thought about it, I said, that'd be cool to go for a hundred miles in a day. And uh, I entered one and, and uh, the first time I wasn't successful, I wanted to see what the experience was like. So I did, did like three marathons straight and then I said, okay, I see what this is about. And I'm gonna do, uh, try to do hundred miles in a day. And I think I did 102 miles and uh, out of the field of 40, I was like 20th and I was so pleased. And then I tried other ultras and then I, uh, you know, 50K, you know, and saw what the standard was for around a three hour marathon. My best is 302.06 and uh, that was uh, just a sub seven minute mile. So I, I was just an average marathoner who was intrigued and see how far he could go. Mm. <laughs> can, can we backtrack one? We got a question that already popped up in the live chat. This is from Ryan Thorpe and it, it touches a little bit on the spiritual side that you were just talking about. Um, he wanted to know if your name is, your name Trishul, is that your spiritual name? Um, yes. If so, did you go by another name before then? Okay, my, my English name is Lauren, like Lauren Green or Lauren Michaels from Canada, L-O-R-N-E. And I, uh, Sri Chimoy gave me the name in 1981. Um, and so uh, it's Trishul and Trishul means 
ignorance-piercing weapon which conquers all the wrong forces of the world for God. And so um, that's what it meant. I liked it. I really love it because how many tree shoals do you know? You know, in this country, you're the only one I know. <laughs> and that's it. And it's it's uh, it's a Sanskrit name. And um, so I I come from a Jewish background, but I always considered myself a Hindu. So <laughs> awesome. Little, yeah. But yeah. Anyway. Okay. Ryan, so there you go. That's your answer for that. Uh, so another question for you: What was it about the longer distances that was attractive to you because obviously you kept doing it and you kept going longer and longer. So what was it that, you know, really piqued your interest and got you invested in it? Well, you know, it's, uh, it came from within myself. You know, I just said, wow, it just, I got such satisfaction and um, fulfillment when I finished each race. So to me, it was about the journey, not so much how fast you could go. I didn't do badly, you know, but I, I just, um, and I was competitive, you know, I'm quite a, a goal-oriented person, and I am a very competitive person. So that wasn't the problem, but I was so intrigued by how far I could go. I don't know. It just kind of, uh, it's like when you reach one goal, and then I said, okay, how much farther can I go, you know, comfortably? And I always approached it um, peacefully and comfortably, you know, not, not balls to the wall, you know, not going all out. You know, I always held back. And even in my marathons, um, they never matched my, my, my short distance races. I should have been a much faster marathoner, but I didn't care. You know, to me, it was just, um, you run the short races, you go all out. When you run the, the long races, you know, I hold back and I just say, I look at the scenery, I look, you know, what's ahead of me. It's just fun and games. It's much for, more fun. So I was looking for just lots of fun. I guess I'm a party Anamora. Yeah. Rotten for punishment. I don't know. But they're never torture for me. You know, if they and if they start to be, you know, hard work, real, real hard work, I figure a way to make it not so hard. You know, mm -hmm. whether it's nutrition or just mindset or emotional being, you know. And I approach these ultras not just as a physical run, but as an emotional uh, um pursuit and a, a mental pursuit and a spiritual pursuit. And that's the main thing. It's a spiritual pursuit, I'm not talking religious, I'm talking spiritual. So it's kind of like um, a, a real self-expansion to me. Okay. And when did you start? So you did your, the 50 or 50 so, and then you went out for the 90 and then you did the, uh, the 24 hour. What happened after that? Where, I how far ahead did you jump ahead? Okay, so after, um, um, that was in 1978. Then I tried a 33 mile race and I came, I think fourth. And then I was intrigued by first the 50K. I said, wow, can I, can I get this under four hours? And then I did 357. Wow. And then I think I hit the 50K in 402. And then I said, oh, that's, that, that was cool. That was a, a real good experience, 1980. And then I tried a 50K. Then I went to Central Park and did the 60K. And I was hitting my running goals. Like in the, uh, I just remember doing a two mile race and I hit 11 flat for the two miles. And I was so frustrated. I said, man, I wanted to go under 11. And I did just 11 flat or, you know, running 60 flat for, uh, for a 10 mile race. And then I said, you know, you know, I wasn't so satisfied. But, uh, but then I said, the longer I went, the better satisfaction I got. And um, 
So after the 33 mile race, I tried a 24 hour and then, you know, I tried all different distances and I thought I gave a, like, I remember running a, uh, and I reached all the goals, like a, a 12 hour race. You know, I would come third in the race and cover like 76 and three quarter miles or, you know, so my times weren't okay. I called myself an average marathoner, but a good ultra runner. But when it came to the multi-days, I, I wanted to see how I could do against the world's best. And I had the first experience in 1983 at the New York Roadrunners Club uh, six day race and the best in the world were there. So when I came six and uh, beat the ultra legend Don Choi and then was uh, two miles from Dave Dowdle who was the world record holder at the time for 24 hours. I knew, I said, this is cool. Wow, look how I did against the world's best. Then I went to the next multi-day and I kept transcending each one. So the first was like 445 miles and the next one was like 457, then 479. I'm a numbers guy, it's all good numbers. And then when I broke 500 miles, I, I, that was the world-class standard. And um, I got myself up to about 538 miles. And I was also intrigued also, okay, I went, broke 500 miles. Now, look how much farther can I go? And then I, I created the thousand mile race, the first one in modern times, um, which I asked Richard Moy, can we put this on? And he did. And it was the, in, in this century, it was the first certified thousand. So there were two previous ones held. And, and you, you just, you invented it. You're saying that I so was. casually. Like I just invented the thousand mile. Yeah, yeah, yeah because- <laughs> That's amazing. Only, <laughs> because there was only six day races. So right. I said, and I believe in, you know, certified courses and it has to be accurate. I'm right. very puritanical that way. And, mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, I was, was a, for 30 years a stat statistician for Ultra Running Magazine. So mm -hmm. people look back on those old issues, you'll see Andy Milroy, Teresa Churns and so forth. So right. I really believe in accuracy as Ted Corbett did. And so I wanted it a certified thousand and we had a great race. But the following year, was one of the classics. And that was uh, when Stu Middleman showed up. And uh, these are names you guys haven't heard of, but these were the best in the world. These are the best guys. And uh, we really took the level down. I think my first thousand was in 15 days, um, nine hours. Then the next year I took it to 13 days, seven hours. And uh, that's where the big boys go. And so I, you know, I was really pleased to be able to run with the world's best, at least, um, um, I looked at it this way that, you know, uh, I felt um, comfortable to share the track with them. And then, um, mm. you know, it's like the next, after that, Sri Chinmoy um, announced a 1300 mile race. So I tried that. And then the 2700 mile race. And when the 3100 mile race happened, um, that was, that was great. It was great. I was very, very pleased. Um, and uh, so I've always just, I don't know, I've just been fascinated how far I could go, but I've also was interested in the time events and mm. uh, how far can I do in a time event? But I also dabble with trails and um, you know, it's like when I moved out to Colorado, um, I, I, of course I've heard about the Leadville Trail 100. And at that time I, I was pursuing this uh, uh, beautiful woman who was my, end up being my wife. <laughs> and I have to say, Best thing that ever happened to me, absolutely, with it, hands down. You know, it's my my life was enhanced, and uh, with Karen in it, and, and uh, mm. I hope I enhanced her life. Um, I, I did get a, a great deal, so I'm not sure about her, but <laughs> I got a great deal. And uh, she really was a, I think, the world's greatest uh, um, handler, and you know, I've ever had. 
because she, she know I can think something and she picks up on it mm -hmm. and gives me the right thing. So uh, that I need during a race. But I love uh, I love the races. Um, I used to run them uh, fast, but now I'm more of a power walker. I have to admit, and I'm enjoying that right now. And uh, now getting to the multi days, people are going to ask, "Oh, what does it take to be a good multi day runner?" And um, what I like about it, after the three days, everything's equal because speed doesn't matter anymore. Mm. It's like we're all pretty much going at the same pace. So time management's important. So having a handler or um, good nutrition. And I'm, I'm really always look at the cutting edge of great nutrition and um, um, oh, sleep deprivation, which I'm good at. You know, well, my philosophy is when you snooze, you lose. So if you <laughs> And I don't mind the hallucinations. I call it LSD, long, slow distance, you know? <laughs> so I, you know, I, I love the, uh, um, you know, I don't mind the sleep uh, hallucinations. And, um, you know, nowadays it's John Giesler, but when in my day as a good multi-day runner, I could outdo him. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm even competitive with John Giesler's uh, <laughs> sleep deprivation tactics, but you have to be a good sleep uh, good at sleep deprivation. And, and the most important thing, you gotta be a great walker. And all the best multi-day runners in the world could walk strongly. I remember I used to do a 12 hour race walk with Wyndham with good form and cover about hundred K in um, the 12 hours. And that's race, wow. walking, race walking. So my best, uh, as I said, 12 hour uh, running was 76 and three quarters. And my best uh, um, walk was 63 miles. So, wow, so that's, have to be that's amazing. Yeah, you have to be a good walker. And I, and I learned from Howard Jacobson, who was a, an Olympic coach. He taught me how, what the right form is and how to, to race walk and then how to power walk. So um, that's, that's, a, that's a little bit of the direction I went. And um, you know, I've had uh, a lot of wonderful experiences by meeting some great people. Mm. And uh, that's how I met my wife at, at a six day race in France, you know. So. That's awesome. Can we back up a little bit to the thirty-one hundred mile race? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, first of all, maybe provide a little bit of background because I'm sure that everyone listening might not be familiar with it. So maybe chat a little bit about what the race is, the parameters of the event, and then I would love to hear your experience. I mean, you did it three times, and then also, you know, maybe you could talk about the other people in the race. And um, of course, sure. Okay. Mine, it's just, it's, it's even, it's just hard for me to wrap my mind around that 3,100 miles. Well, it's not wrapping your mind around it because you, you can't. So the first thing is, and I'll give you the history of it, is mm -hmm. you've got to learn how to be in the moment and you take it day by day. So we took the, um, every, most of us just took it day by day. We didn't think of the yesterday or tomorrow. We think about that day. We didn't think in miles we would think in laps because it's on a, a, a one kilometer loop, a little more than a one kilometer loop. So we're circling around 5,600 times on this one kilometer loop. And we had a 50, first time we did it was a 51 day cutoff. And so you, one thing about this race is you've got to be consistent. And that is my, one of my main strengths as a multi-day runner. You know, um, I, try, I try to be very consistent. I don't try to go beyond myself. Right. And so how it was created was first, there was a 2,700 mile race, which I did. And it took me 45 days. And then Sri Chamoy always loved the up the ante. And he was my type of guy because 
I love that I'm picking the ante too. <laughs> so uh, I was happy to uh, do the third edition. I did allow a couple of years between to recover and to get the training back and, and you know, get other ultras in. But after the 2700 mile race, I love that experience. And then I, when I did the 3100, I was raring to go. And, um, but they did have some great people there. And they also the experiences um, that I learned, um, they, they weren't always easy. It's not, uh, I'm being very honest about this, that like at the 2700 mile race, and this is a cool, kind of a very interesting thing, was I ended up after about 700 miles got shin splints because it's a concrete surface. So we're going around in the heat of the summer and it could be hot weather um, on a um, mundane course. And it wasn't, to me, it wasn't a mundane course. It was a, you know always something happening because um, something always is happening. It's not, it, there was a lot of people around. Right. And, and um, but, but the, the thing was I ended up with shin splints because we're on a concrete sidewalk. It's not the road. And there's a huge, huge difference between asphalt and concrete. Mm. And our shoes would wear out, um, you know, you think three pairs are enough, now you need about 15 pairs of shoes. 15 pairs of shoes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Usually shoes would last me a thousand miles. No, in uh, on this concrete surface, they last like three, 400 miles and that's it. And they wear down and onto the next one. And so I ended up with shin splints and they were very painful. So I knew there was a time restraint on this event and you know, my mile, I was, I think in third place at the time and it was, I was in fifth place. And I just remembered, um, and this was a cool experience is I, I'm not gonna let this, um, I'm not gonna bottom out in this race. I refused to bottom out in this race. And so I started uh, invoking my spiritual power within myself. So here I've been meditating for years and years and let's use, let's use it to um, take this pain that's in my shin and throw it into the earth. And I just focused on that. I did some chanting too. And I just said, in a very, very positive state, and I just said, you are not a part of me, um, Shin Splints. You are to leave me. I don't want you, and I don't need you, and you shall leave. And I did that maybe for two days, and it started to go. And so I started recovering very, very fast. So I mended from the Shin Splints, and um, I really with my heart and my soul and my whole being, I was determined to get rid of this. But also I got a little help from uh, my friend who said, okay, Trisha, you're still in a little bit of pain. I know I have this uh, Chinese uh, um, uh, doctor. He could come and see you and he could fix you up to get you over the edge. So um, his name was Dr. Chur. And I said, okay, cool. Dr. Chur is gonna have the cure. <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, he, uh, he's okay, let's go in the van. And he says, I, I can give you some stuff, some Chinese herbs. I said, Oh, great. I thought I was going to take them um, through the mouth. You know, he had a needle and he, he, he started taking rubbing alcohol and right on those painful shin splints, he says, I'm going to be putting it in here. And I said, Oh, my. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> mother of God, there's no way. And he said, You know, way. And so, uh, um, so I had my friend, he, I said, this is what I want you to do. Get my, one of my clean socks, put it in my mouth. So I, I put a sock in my mouth, lay on top of me so I don't move. He laid on top of my top here and I, was, I put my thumbs up. Okay, go for it. I never felt something so painful. 
but I, 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 I think I, 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 I saw Jesus himself <laughs> when he injected into that. I said, I've seen God now. <laughs> but anyway, so, um, but it was very painful, but you know, it did help. And, and I didn't care because I was determined to finish this 27, uh, mm. uh, 100 mile race. And then, so that wasn't easy. Uh, then he wrapped me up and I finished it off, you know, and I could move. And, and I guess if there was any inflammation there, um, and I don't know what he put in there, it could have been eye of newt, you know, these Chinese, you know, <laughs> antennas or something, but, uh, you know, it, he put his elixir in there and I felt a lot better. I guess he got the inflammation down. And then, um, but in the 3,100, there, you know, there's a, if you want to complete these things, there's got to be a price you have to pay for it. No, there's a price you mm -hmm. pay. And, you know, so, uh, you know, I'm willing to pay the price because I know, you know, there's a beginning, middle, and end to the, all of these, no matter how long you think they are. Mm -hmm. And so I remember getting um, heel blisters um, and painful. So when you walking because all the walking you did uh, I did so for example in the 3100 mile race I, I think I ran about six tenths of it and walked four tenths of it and because I know you the whole idea is not so fast how fast you go but how much ground you can cover in the day mm. and so what I did was um, you know did a lot of walking but fast walking but I ended up with uh, uh, heel blisters and those are awful too so um and especially on your heels, because you can land on it every way, every time you walk on it. So I was forced to run a lot of times. I couldn't take the pain. So I just said, um, well, this is a, a great opportunity to um, use my spiritual power to um, um, disconnect from the uh, discomfort. And I also listened to music. And um, so I was listening to music, um, a lot of South African music, because um, pain is one signal to the brain. So I tried to distract it through listening to music. Mm. And then uh, um, with a, you know, I'd ha have my wife lance the, uh, the deep heel blisters, but, and we would wrap them, but I, I would for be forced to run because it they started becoming painful. And I certainly am not a uh, glutton for punishment. So I find different ways to overcome the uh, discomfort. And um, so that was, uh, some of the 3,100 mile experiences. Um, and then um, some of the characters that you meet, um, or there was, this is, there's some classics, Bob <laughs> Wise. I, I'll never forget Bob Wise. And he was a great walker. And it, during the first thousand mile race, um, he was there. And I think he covered for the whole race um, about 60 miles a day. He did 900 of the thousand miles in 15 days. And he was one of these, you know, kind of marching type of walkers, but he started having problems with his neck. So um, some of the race directors would help him. They got some toilet paper and, and he had this roll of toilet paper under his chin. And then they wrapped gaffer's tape or something so it would keep his head up because he started walking and his head's down all the time. He walked into a tree and he didn't see it all the time. <laughs> so they wanted to keep him on course. But, you know, you, there's so, been so many cool experiences. And the most coolest experience I think I, I've ever um, had during a 3,100 mile race is the feeling of running forever, which means mm -hmm. you're not in any pain. You're not in any discomfort. You're very, very fit. And you feel you could run forever. Like you could go day and night, 
not sleep. And um, a lot of times in these races, I would find, how do I get through all this um, tiredness that I felt? And I would get through it by um, just going within myself and just said, there's energy on the other side of, of the, the worst fatigue. And there is, I always seem to find it. So as tired as any ultra runner is, and when you're sleep deprived, you can find the energy. You really mm -hmm. can't because it's there and it's in the cosmos, you know? So if, you know, if you feel wiped out, there's always a way to, um, you know, perk yourself up. And my, you know, it's in these races, like 3,100 mile race, what's very important is your, your, your nutrition. You know, today's um, food is tomorrow's energy. So I would, we ate like, um, um, at that time, I was not vegan, I was a vegetarian. And so I just remember speaking to one of the medical people and I said, I think I'm losing too much weight. So he says, try some whipping cream in, in, in the food. So we, you know, just to keep the fat. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and, and and it worked. You know, I kept my. I didn't lose. A, I think I only lost two pounds for the whole race. You know, so so I very high calorie foods um, were are are essential for um, obviously for these um, races. Mm -hmm. And I'm not a big believer in the gels. I believe more of the food. You know, mm -hmm. live food, good food. Um, you know, and I try to uh, keep a lot of the electrolytes in me. You know, because mm -hmm. if you don't have that, then you're going to wipe out. So I try to figure ways to not wipe out and to, so I can enjoy the experience. Um, a 3,100 mile race should be pleasant, not torture, you know? Mm -hmm. you know so they were always ultimately pleasure, um, pleasurable, wonderful experiences. Uh, and right. uh, yeah. So was that this feeling you described before of, of that you could run forever, was that something that would ebb and flow over the course of the 3,100 miles or? Was it like you you ran a certain amount, you reached a certain distance and you felt that way the rest of the time? Or was it something that kind of came and went over um, the course of the It would come and go, but not through the day. I mean, I just, you might hit it. I guess I hit it probably around 2000 miles. I just, I was very fit because you, you're running yourself fit. You know, mm. you, you cover, you know, six, hundred K a day and you do that for uh, two weeks. And what's so cool, it takes about two weeks to get used to it. And then, then you're fit. It becomes like going to work. You know, we would get up and be at the race um, at six in the morning and then be finished 12 midnight. And um, one thing about sleep deprivation, a race of that length, you need about four and a half hours of sleep. So I would get a ride home, um, shower, get about four to four and a half hours of sleep and do it again. And I, I, I loved it. You know, it's just like, um, you know, was it hard? Yeah, but anything worthwhile is hard, you know? no matter how much talent one has, you know, when, you know, and I love the challenge of it, you know, and, um, you know, always looking for new challenges. I once uh, told my mother-in-law, um, I said, you know, when I'm a hundred, if I get there, that's the difficult part. I'm going to do a hundred mile race, you know? Oh my goodness. <laughs> but there's no time limit, you know, let's see if it right. takes two days. So what, you know, it's, but I, I if I get a hundred years, uh, uh, on earth, I, I'm going to do hundred miles in celebration of, of hundred years. So. Are you going to go back to that one square block in Queens and do the, the hundred no, miles? <laughs> no, no. But you know what she said? Uh, I said that to her and you know, she said, well, at the end of the race, we're going to have an open grave for you and we're going to kick you in there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she said, you're nuts, you know, but I'll, I'll, I'll always say I'm crazy, but crazy good. You know, I always like the, uh, um, the fun of going long. 
Mm. That that is amazing. I still just it like you said, you can't wrap your mind around thirty one hundred miles. Um, so moving along with your career, you're getting you're setting more and more records, Canadian records. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about you know some of the world championships that you went to and what those experiences were like? Right. Well, I went to this race called the La Rochelle Six Day Race, and that was the um, the world champion indoor championships. And they had it for a number of years. And so the best were there. Jean Gilboussiquet, yeah, um, uh, Gilbert Mannix, uh, Joe Record, Stu Middleman, you know, from different countries. And we would meet there. And it was an indoor race. And what was cool about this race, if anybody was read about the old pedestrian races, this was the closest thing to it. And um, so what happened is it's on a, a 200 meter indoor track. Uh, it's flat. Um, and it's, um, um, people would come in to see, thousands of people would come to see you. Um, and it was a European race and it was a professional race. So I was once a professional runner in, in my day and uh, there was prize money. And um, I brought my chiropractor with me just to keep me alive. And um, it was fantastic to watch a guy like Jean Gilboussique who would run, let's say 140 miles the first day of a six day take one hour sleep and go another hundred miles straight. Then wow. take another hour sleep and go hundred miles straight. And <laughs> these, guys, these guys would do that. So the top guys would run over 600 miles. So, and they would pull you along. They had a very charismatic energy to them. And they, mm -hmm. they, they were magical. Or a guy like Yanis Kouros, when you go to France and you, you're basically, it was the official unofficial 48 hour world championships um, in uh, Sergers, and you're running with Yanis Kouros. Now he's going at a slower pace, and he's this Greek Australian, and he's the world's greatest that has ever lived. So you're running behind him. Maybe it was five miles an hour, 10k an hour for a little while, and then you know all of a sudden he starts moving ahead. So you're just next thing you know he's lapping you, and uh, but he he made it look so easy. And what the world's best do is they make things look so easy and so it's so easy to, to hook into their energy and they would hook into yours and so we would form trains you know five six runners would run be behind each other and we'd pull each other along and then after a while each it was just like in the um the tour you know in bicycling the uh, the uh, what's it called the um, um uh, like the the peloton you know they 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 would um, one would go to the front and we would right. do the same thing where someone would take the lead, do it for a little while, then drop back to the last place, and then the next one. So we kept each other going. These were competitions, really, of beautiful connection. So they're competitions. Everybody wants to win. But we're also wanting everyone to do their best. Because if everyone does their best and we pull each other along, the standard is high. And that's the, note, the big difference I've noticed with American multi-day running and European multi-day running. In Europe, they're, they're, they connect with you. I noticed that in, uh, in, in a lot of my multi-day races in the United States, everyone's out to beat each other. Mm. It's better to run with a person than against a person. And as soon as you can run with a person, you're gonna even hit a higher standard. As soon as you start running against them, the energy changes. 
And then, oh, I got to beat this guy. I got to beat that guy. Well, remember, dude, this is a thousand mile race, or this is a 600 mile race, or a thousand K race. You better be friends. We become comrades in arms. And a lot of these guys are my great friends because we joined energies and we're friends afterwards. And we're just happy for each other that we were able to um, help each other reach our goals. My goal was to run 500 in, in six days. John Jubusike was to run over 950K, which is about 606 miles, you know. And he ended up doing 640. And then uh, I, I also remember Sydney de Melbourne running with Yanis Kuros the first three miles. And he was so great because he said to me, okay, Trisha, I hope you don't mind, you know, um, I'm gonna go a little bit faster pace and uh, I'll see you at the end. And I said, go for it, my friend. And, you know, um, you know, I, I, we, we, you know, we, we grabbed hands and we, we, we really connected our energy and then he moved along. And then he ended up running perhaps one of the greatest performances of all time, 658 miles in five days, 14 hours. Now, I, I think I did, you know, I, I averaged 82 miles a day, was, but he'd averaged 120 a day, you know? Uh, and wow. the hard thing is, okay, do it one day, fine. Do it two days, excellent. Now average that for five days, you know, because we have our ups and downs and he, 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 he could move so fast, you know, it's like there was no one like him and I don't think there'll ever be anyone like him after that right. for another hundred years. But to, to run against the world's best is truly fun because, you know, I was at the time, you know, I set Canadian national records. I wanted to take it as far as I could for, mm. You know, and, and for a three, 302 marathoner, I, you know, thought I was able to reach the level that I thought I could, you know, so and we all helped each other during these multi days. And uh, I remember James Zarai, the great um, uh, Brit, um, somehow we didn't bring enough socks um, for the, the six day race. And so, you know, somehow something happened to socks or something, it was down to one pair left. And so I remember, um, he, he was telling me, so I gave him, you know, half my socks. And then John Jabusike, who his, was his competitor, gave him more. So we were all brothers in arms in these multi-day races. And, um, you know, we, we all helped each other reach our goals. And we're, we were so happy for each other. But we were also competitive. We wanted to do the best that we could do. And um, so, uh, you know, I, I, but I noticed that a lot of times in the multi-day runs that... Uh, when in America, these things were just me against you. And mm. I kind of just uh, detached myself from that. So I ended up just, let me go against myself, you know, yeah. connect more, connect, connect more to myself than connect to the others. You know, I always want to be happy out there, be happy mm -hmm. and smiley and be in a good state, a good consciousness. You know, mm -hmm. there's nothing worse than having, you know, I feel terrible and, you know, you know, and so I would say, so you feel terrible. Make it, make a, a turn it around, make a, a negative into a positive. Mm. So, uh, so, I mean, you've had, again, this is just a snapshot of your career that we've talked about tonight. If you could name maybe one race or running, walking experience, it doesn't even have to be a formal race. Could you pick one that was, I mean, you're still, um, I'm not saying your career is over, you're still going very strong, but if, from this point, looking back, is there one that you would say was maybe your favorite, most meaningful experience? 
that's a loaded question. It's tough. You've done so many things, but is there something that really stands out to you? Yes. I would, this is the most precious race of all. Um, there's a couple of them. Okay. In a 1300 mile race, I was it's six hours into it. Mm-hmm. And then there's this little stray dog that started following me in Flushing Meadow Park. Okay. And this little stray dog kept following me mile after mile. And I would, you know, stop. He would stop. And so I remember um, I was drinking water and I saw, you know, I said, this guy's got to drink some water. And so when I stopped for food, um, I gave him some of my food. Um, and um, so he followed me 100 miles straight. And his name was Dharma Dog. I named him Dharma. Actually, Sri Chimura wow. wrote about this, and he called them on the Dharma. There's a whole big Indian tale about this. So Dharma followed me 100 miles straight, and around that time, he ended up doing, I think, about 108 miles in 30 hours. Whatever. Oh we my did. goodness! So people would say, "My dog, this dog followed me 100 miles," and so um, I picked him up, and he fell asleep in my arms. And so I took him home, I showed him to my wife and we adopted him and he was a mixed shepherd and he came to, I, I did the following spring, we entered him into the seven day race. And so they gave him a number, number four, he had in the program <laughs> and he ended up doing, um, he averaged, I think for five days of the seven days, 50 K a day, and he was trained. And then- He just I- ran on his own? No, he ran with me. I had a with you. Okay. So I, <laughs> I mean, he had a bib and No, I had. I was handling him. I was okay. not on I had him on a leash. We would go around the one mile loop, and so he would do about ten miles straight. Then we would stop for a break. You know, he he would break some sticks along the way. You know, so but Dharma, we we had the dorms there, so we put him in the dorms, and um, so Dharma ended up doing like a I think about 45k a day in something like 185 miles in the seven day race now what was interesting he got at about 100 I was trying to get him to 200 miles at 180 may 80 miles he started balking he was bored so we really he had more sense than I did you know, I, I, I don't have any sense. My dog had absolutely more sense than I <laughs> So he decided he had enough. So we took him around the opposite direction. He went for a few laps. Then he, he froze up and said, I had enough. So, so as soon as I took him off the leaf, I started throwing the ball. He had all the energy in the world. So the most wonderful thing was my dog, Dharma dog following me and then entering him in the seven day race. And he beat few, some of the competitors. You know, he really? Absolutely. <laughs> and he had, we had a cot for him. You know, so my wife and I, we were his handlers. We were his, uh, <laughs> so, you know, but he came to a lot of the races with me. And um, uh, rest in peace, Dharma. He was my, my, and he was my training partner too. So mm. uh, he's forever in my heart and thoughts. That is an amazing story. <laughs> yeah. So that's the story of, that's a special race for me, uh, the seven day race. And plus I also won it in, uh, um, in 1993, you know, I remember coming second, second and first. So, um, you know, and Dharma was a part of that. So. Um, that's amazing. Voila. 
Voila. That's awesome. That is awesome. Um, I know I saw, I'm keeping an eye on the live chat, we have a bunch of questions already. So I'm going to start asking them uh, to you so we don't run out of time. So let me scroll back up to our first question. It was very early on from, I believe it was from Bailey Lewis. Yes. Okay. Bailey wants to know, do you have words or suggestions for beginning marathoners toying with the idea of jumping to an ultra? Just getting into this type of things now. Oh, that's not Bailey's. I'm sorry. That's from Benjamin Yao. Wants to know that. So words or suggestions for beginning marathoners toying with the idea of ultras? It's the same training. Yeah, uh, marathon training for ultras. Um, um, all you do is the same training and um, pick a race, maybe a, a, a race that doesn't have a, a time restraint. So let's say a 24 hour race and you want to, you don't have to do the whole thing. Just go as you please. Remember your pace is gonna be your training pace. So don't go out and race it. Go out and just try to, to just run, run and walk and experience and don't put any limit on it. Oh, I gotta do, you know, 50 miles. No, just go and just be, do it, just do it and see how far you can go. And when you're tired, sit down. And then, you know, just a taste, take the bite of the apple, you know? You know, you don't have to consume the apple and have, uh, uh, you know, a great meal out of it. No, just take a bite of the apple and, and taste the flavor of the apple and see if it's for you. How's that? That's great. That's perfect. Yeah. Um, another question is, uh, what type of shoes do you run in? I'm assuming maybe it's different for road and trail. Do you have your different uh, go-to shoes? Love Hoka, you know. Um, now the difference um, back 40 years ago um, and today is technology is much better now, of course, from cotton shirts to now wicker weight uh, socks and shirts. And back then we start off with Nike waffle shoes. And, you know, they were just thin soled shoes. Now there's the Hoka shoes. I love padded shoes, nothing like Hoka. And uh, they're not my sponsor. I'm just saying I love the, the Hoka shoes, Bondi for training and for the trails, the, um, what are they called? <laughs> a senior moment. Um, That's okay. Uh, um, oh gosh. Um, oh. Are they challengers or speed goats? No, no, they're not any of those. It's okay. The, uh, named after the beach. Bondi? No, Bondi is one of the beaches. What's the other beach in uh, um, California? Um, oh god, it's one of the trail, the trail uh, Hoka shoes. I just love Stinson. Stinson. Stinson, there you go. There we are. Sorry. Um, so the Stinsons, love them. And and I love the, the tread on them. And they're comfortable. And uh, my feet don't hurt in them at all. So highly recommend the Hoka's. I'm with, I'm on the same page. Yeah, I love, I love Hoka's as well. Uh, that's what I run in. Okay. Uh, Jana Shurnitz wants to know, what is your diet like during training, recovery, and during races? This could be an entire podcast episode by itself. But. I'll just sum it up. I'm a vegan. I start off as a vegetarian. I started when I was 16 years old. I'm now 64. And then I became a vegan three years ago. And um, um, I, best recovery I ever had was going vegan. In fact, um, I'm after being prolific um, in, in, the in the last third. So I've done this for 42 years. So let's say I can go 62 years. I, I'm... I think uh, last year I only did six because of COVID. The year before I might have done 15, 16 ultras. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and the recovery was fantastic. So 
I'm whole food plant-based. And I think that's the way to go. Whole food plant-based and uh, little, uh, not that much fat do you need. And I feel very, very healthy with that. So be a vegan diet, but you can be an unhealthy vegan or a healthy vegan. A healthy, remember, unhealthy vegan would eat French fries and Coca-Cola. Mm. But, but, a, but a, 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 I'm a whole food plant-based athlete. Okay. So um, I'll follow up with a question for that. What does that look like during an ultra event for you? What's, what's in your pack if you carry a pack or, you know, on your, your aid station, what are you taking? I'm taking sweet potatoes. Or they always have this at the races. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, um, my wife makes me these things that are called, I like Scott Jurek's recipes. He was also a vegan. So the Scott Jurek bars, or I'll take, um, my wife will make uh, oatmeal cookies, and um, it, but there's no eggs, or I keep away from the eggs and the, um, obviously, the milk products that go on. But the, the uh, live food, I always love live food. Live food's best for me. Um, but, um, and whatever they have at the races, if I, I, this is one thing I've noticed. The, most races have terrible food. So I always bring my own food. They have all the sugary stuff and, um, you know, M&Ms, and then they have their chocolate bars and their potato chips, yuckers. Okay, so so I'm a race director, right? So you tell me what if you could make the aid station, what what would be on the table? What should be at every aid station? Okay, um, since they're ultra soup, um, any type of soup. Now, um, there's people that aren't vegetarians. Have the chicken soup, or or have tomato. I think a great one because there's good high salt content, which is important for the adrenal glands. Um, I would have a tomato soup a sweet potato soup. Um, the, the, like, for example, he did a great job, Rick and uh, McNulty, and mm-hmm. they, they have always soup there. And le, like for the race they just put on on Saturday, they had, they, I, they had vegan soup. So a vegan soup. Oh, remember, a lot of the um, race directors forget that there's a lot of us are vegetarian or vegan. And they might not say anything. Put vegan food out there. Put sweet potatoes. Potatoes. Um, you can even have pasta, but live food. Put some live food. You can put the junk out there. And uh, but you know, if you have uh, good fuel, you're going to perform well. Do you put uh, crappy fuel in a racing car? Um, it's just going to not as perform as well as uh, a good fuel. And exactly. I'm a big believer in that. That's awesome. Well, I know me and my team are very excited for our race on April 10th, because this is the first time in over a year where we're going to have the full aid station uh, right. with, the, with the 50 miler. So right. I am taking notes right yeah. now. We're going to make sure we got some of those options out there. Um, okay, we got another question. This is from Anthony. He wants to know, did you talk about the New York, the Great New York 100? I see that you're doing a training run on April 4th. Is that still going on even since it's Easter or has it been rescheduled? Gotta speak to Phil McCarthy. He schedules all that. (laughs) I take care of the 100K point, the 100K stuff during the races, and I'll be at the start. Um, But Phil does all the training. Um, Just go on the Facebook page. And if it's still happening, it's happening because Phil will announce it. It's not happening. Phil's very responsible that way. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, he wants to make sure everybody tastes the course. So he divides it up and he's there with them, um, with everyone. 
So, and it's a fun event to go to, um, but if it's, if he says it's happening, he's, it's happening. So, um, you know, to answer your question, um, you know, our TGNY is a, it's a, an urban adventure run and um, it, it's, it, it's a race, but uh, um, it's, you know, there's gonna be a you know, first, second and third, but um, it's really an urban adventure. You know, mm-hmm. it's just get to see all of New York City, places you wouldn't go. I mean, really cool places. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, okay, another question is, what do you have on your calendar for the rest of 2021 in terms of races? I know, you know, race schedules are fluid, but are there events that you are signed up for for the rest of the year? Well, absolutely. These days you have to sign up uh, way in advance. Um, in, my, in the old days, you would sign up a day before, but because the, there's a lot of these lottery systems and there's, you know, people sign up very fast. So yes, I have 12 planned this year. So I did number one, I did the New Jersey uh, Ultra Festival. Next one is shore, um, shore to shore um, 50K race. Um, then I'm doing the six day event at three days at the fair. Um, I have the dates of these. Forbidden Forest 30 hour trail race. Then I'm doing a 24 hour road race. And then the Wildcat Ridge Romp 50K. Labor Pain 12-hour trail race, Rock the Ridge 50-miler, Tesla Hurt 50K trail race, the uh, 30-hour trail race, um, the TARP Ghost Train, and then the following month, the Hamster Wheel 30-hour trail race, and then the Hainsport 100. And uh, so there you go. So I, I, I really want to, it's like one a month. I have one a month plan, and that seems to be enough time to recover from them. And... Um, but uh, I highly recommend Rock the Ridge, fantastic race. It's yes. on, it, it's on uh, carriage trails and it's just so beautiful there. But all the races are special, you know, and, um, you know, I like to get that 100 miler. Um, my first 100 miler was done in 1981. So I look forward to running over 100 miles 40 years later. So 2021, you know, and it, that would be kind of cool, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, we've got another question here from June Lynn. You mentioned to me you're going to write a book about your running. Have you initiated that? I'm looking forward to reading it. Absolutely. You know, um, I'm, I've made a lot of notes, um, but I need help from somebody who can write. You know, I'm a stat man. I'm not a writer. And I have this woman in Canada considering doing something, but about five years down the line. But I definitely want to write a book and then it can be detailed about the adventure of the whole thing. You know, it's not about stats. I, I think stats, but um, it's what who you met and what were the world's best like and, uh, you know, what made them tick because I always called myself a running spectator. So I'm on the track with them, but I watched them, the world's best, what it was like doing what they did and like, how easy they made it look, you know? And, um, you know, I often think, are they suffering? You know, and uh, mm. they probably were, and I thought that they weren't, you know? So I said, oh, they all look good. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, I, I am considering absolutely gonna write uh, some book um, and, um, you know, talk about my different experiences, you know, what the stories behind my Canadian national records, you know? Mm. And, you know, there's an accomplishment but what did it take to do that accomplishment? Right. 
Yeah. That would be, I mean, you definitely need to do that. I have two thumbs up. I would definitely read it. And we'll have you back on the podcast to do a, a little book tour. Right. And, and there's a great book for people that haven't read it. Well, my friend, Jared Beasley, In Search of Al Howie, who is a, a friend of mine. I think it's a fantastic book. And it's, it, it's an interesting story. It's about a man that has mental illness and how he did these incredible distances. He didn't know it at the time, but... Um, and uh, but Jared tells the story. So um, if anyone's looking for a good book to read in search of Al Howie, um, I'm plugging it because I think it's a great book and it really, uh, um, uh, really shows the dynamics and the uh, depth of what goes into the into a guy that um, is running uh, away from things. I'm the type of guy that wants to run towards a goal. Some people are trying to run away from something. So um, this is I think he was running away from his mental illness, but I found it very, very interesting because ultimately we're all crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the truth? <laughs> are we crazy good or are we just crazy? You know? <laughs> we all are and definitely in the ultra running community. <laughs> There's a different level of crazy. I think. Yeah. You know, how crazy good are you? Or are you right. <laughs> <running> nuts. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, Okay, I've got another question for you. Do you have um, a race or a running experience that's on your bucket list that you have not done yet? Is there something that you still, besides your 100-mile run on your 100th birthday, I know you mentioned that, but is there something else that, you know, it's on your list, the back of your mind, something that you still want to accomplish or something, somewhere you want to go to run? What do you think? Um... I haven't given that thought because I'm focused on doing 500 ultras. So to me, it's not so important or, you know, as I said, I'm very goal oriented. So is there a special race I want to do? Um, they're all special. You know, I know that's a dumb way to say it, but no, they're, all, no, no. You know, they're all special. I, I'm just right. so grateful to finish them. And I, you know, each one offers a different challenge and each day might be different. So every ultra is special um, and they, they really are. Some, as far as the bucket list go, I've done them, been there and done them all, you know? You know? Otherwise I would have done them already, you know? Right. So to me, you know, put on an ultra and if I'm invited or the, you know, I can get in, it's special, you know? Um, there's, you know, like I haven't tried this year, for example, I like trying new adventures. So ghost train, never tried the ghost train um, 30 hour, heard great things about it or uh, the hamster wheel 30 hour, which is the next ultra after that. And they're in New Hampshire. I said, oh, that's cool. I've never run an ultra in New Hampshire. So new adventures, whenever they pop up and um, if they're on the, the schedule then I can do it, I love it, you know? Um, but I, at this point in my running career, I don't like the time restraint ones where you better do a hundred miles in 24 hours and there's a rugged course. That doesn't interest me anymore. Mm -hmm. That challenge, I would just want the satisfaction of finishing them and being really happy out there. And uh, like, uh, you know, let's say this weekend, there was a 50K, 50 mile, 100K, 100 mile. We all have 30 hours to finish it. So I said, man, I could, I'll pick the, the, the 50K. There's no time restraint. I right. could fall there. So um, it, it's just, and then I'm really happy. So the key to me 
is finding the happiness. And that would be the race that I'm after, the, where I'm happy, you know? Right. So it's not so much, I have to try one specific race, but it's more about finding a race that I'll be happy in. Mm -hmm. Those That's are awesome. on my bucket list. Right, right. I know you just talked about not wanting time constraints, but I couldn't help but think when I was listening, you know, to you chat, um, how you would do at the Bigs Backyard Ultra type style. Has anyone ever asked you about that? You know, the event where- I would you win know, it. I, I, would, I think that you would. Is it would something you would ever it. try? Uh, well, yeah, out there. See, a lot of us multi-day runners, you know, I look at that and there's some, it's like, like Al Howie, if, if I was a team with Al Howie at the time, uh -huh. the, the, he had the world record for going straight. Like I think he did a 300K. I mean, Dean Carnazzi did fairly well. Um, but to do four miles an hour, um, I was really good at sleep deprivation. Right, um, right. And I had enough speed to do four miles an hour. I think I would win it. I think I could go, pro you know, I'm, God bless these people that have done it. You know, yeah. they're phenomenal. You know, I'm in awe of them. But in my prime, and I was say 29 years old, and I covered about, you know, um, 538 miles for six, and I was in my peak form, and I wanted that, and you put a, a some type of carrot there that, you know, yeah. that I wanted to taste, you could, unless you had Yanis, or same with Kuros, or Boozy K, you put a little, let's say you put some money behind there, we would find a way, you know, we, you know, we, you know, we wouldn't care and if we hallucinated. So, so what, you know, you know, I, I felt sorry for the guy um, this year. Uh, I felt bad for him. The hallucinations were all um, bad. We know we're going to hallucinate, but I enjoyed the hallucinations. So I would have <laughs> welcomed, welcomed them. I was used to them. And um, do I think I could have won it? Perhaps, you know, you can't, until you do it. But, right. uh, you know, I, I certainly... Uh, would not have been afraid of it, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, I think I could have won it. Yeah. But would that have been my goal? No, my goal would have probably said, can I go four or five days straight? You know, these guys are going 72 hours. Can I reach, you know, four or five days, you know, and, um, you know, I wouldn't be not afraid to try. You know, I'd be the, probably the first to start. Now, you know, I'm old and gray and only in the way. <laughs> oh come on <laughs> uh, to me that's not the, uh, the goal the goal to me the yeah. goal is finding the satisfaction and happiness in each and every race mm -hmm. that's phenomenal i'm i'm so glad you're, you're sharing all this we here at sasquad we always have a lot of new runners that come to our events and we really emphasize that pace you know the focus isn't on the pace yes we give awards out to our top finishers but like you're saying, we really want the experience to be positive for everyone who's coming and for it to go beyond just the miles. You know, we're, we're working on building a community of people who, you know, support each other. And that's, I just so appreciate all you've shared tonight because, you know, you've really driven home the point of, you know, the community that you've found in running is very powerful. Right. And, and, you know, the community, I met my wife. Yes. Uh, my, at a six day race at the world championships. I, and I found a beautiful companion with my dog and, and um, at, at a 1300 mile race. And I met, you know, some incredible people that I've, you know, I, I can name a thousand of them and they become some of my best friends. And, um, you know, it, when, when 
in, in the thick of competition, they become your brothers. And that's very cool. You know, 10K, one's out to skin the other person. You know, here we, we share and um, we're out to do our best. And, um, but sometimes when the person's, the, the pieces drop, we're, we will we'll be, we'll stop and pick up those pieces and give it back to the person. So that's what um, great sportsmanship and being a gentleman out there, that, that's what it's all about, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you know, brothers in arms, you know. It's phenomenal. <laughs> Trisha, thank you so much for coming on the interview tonight. It's been, I mean, the out, it's, wow, it's actually 9.15. That flew by really fast. So thank you so much for sharing your time and so many words of wisdom with us. Okay, well, thank you for people. Thank you to listen. To all the people that are listening, thank you for listening. You know, I'm very. I hope I could make the runs, um, whatever you run, you're going to do next, um, fun. You know, it's like, uh, I, you know, enjoy the next ultra. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, well, I'd encourage you, Trishel, to hop on this Facebook recording and just scroll through the comments because you had so many people were saying hello, and they're so glad you're sharing. I'll, I'll name a couple of them. I see John Beck said it. Uh, Michael Ortiz popped in, uh, Carolina McWright. There's just a whole host of people who have been popping in throughout the night um, saying hello and thank you to you. Peace and love to all of them. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, everyone. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. If you'd like to learn more about Sasquatch Trail Running, you can visit us online, sasquatchtrailrunning.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. And um, if you want to learn more about who we are, just reach out and we will get you connected. So until we see you again, keep it squatchy.